I don't know about you, but uh, I've had some, a lot of bosses. I've had a lot of jobs in my life. And I've had some good bosses, and I've had some very poor bosses. And interestingly enough, that's the passage we're going to look at tonight in the book of Ezekiel. Because what God is going to do is He's going to use Ezekiel to call to the carpet those bosses, those kings, those shepherds that were watching over His people. And He's going to show how they really didn't do a very good job. And so that's what we're going to talk about. But we're going to end with the best boss, the best shepherd that there is. So that's where we're going to go tonight. We're going to be in Ezekiel chapter 34. Let me give you a little background because this may be your first time at Hope Church. What we're doing this year is we're going through the Bible this year. And uh, we're in the book of Ezekiel. And that's a prophet. And he's one of the major prophets, meaning it's a l- bigger book. And uh, we're gonna l- we've been looking at him. We started last week and we're going to f- look at him this weekend. And then next week we're going to look at Daniel. But uh, Ezekiel was around 30 years old. He was a prophet to the nation of Israel who was taken into exile. And uh, he was in Babylon around 597, somewhere around there, B.C. He, was, uh, he spoke of the coming judgment from the north. And that the ju- coming judgment of the north was the Babylonian Empire. And we saw how the nation of Israel and the city of Jerusalem was just flat out leveled last week. And how the presence of God left the city and most importantly left the, the temple and left the presence of his people. Ezekiel had really two different tasks. In, 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 as you read through the book of Ezekiel, there's two different things that he as a prophet is trying to do. And a prophet was no, nothing more than a person who spoke the words of God to the people. And so the two things that Ezekiel tried to do was, he tried to afflict the comfortable and to bring comfort to the afflicted. That's essentially what he was doing. So essentially what he was doing was he was condemning, condemning some, but he was encouraging others. And so that's kind of what he was doing through the book. He was bringing judgment, but he was also bringing hope. And you see that in the book. In fact, the book is broken down. The first uh, half of the book, or a little bit more than half the book, is judgment. The second half of the book is hope. And so that's kind of how the book of Ezekiel breaks down. But as we'll see, this ministry is, the, is identical to the ministry of Jesus when he was on earth. Because that's essentially what Jesus did. Jesus came to afflict the comfortable and to comfort the afflicted. He, w- he came and he spoke words of judgment, very strong words. He said, whoa, whoa, whoa. But then he brought comfort. He, he spoke words of encouragement. So he did the same thing. Uh, our text this weekend, though, is we're going to examine the poor leadership that was over Israel. Now, in the book of Ezekiel, you see that these, these uh, it's all about shepherds. But they're not talking about shepherds over sheep. They're talking about the kings, the rulers over Israel. That's who they're condemning. And so when you hear the word shepherd, think of king. And what they're uh, talking about is the bad kings, the bad leadership over the nation of Israel. So I want to begin by reading the first few verses, verses 1 through 6 of Ezekiel 34. This, then, this is the message, this message came to me from God. Son of man. Now, that phrase, son of man, note that phrase because we're going to talk about that in a little bit. It's a really important phrase for the book of Ezekiel, son of man. He says, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds, the leaders of Israel. Give them this message from the sovereign Lord. What sorrow awaits you shepherds who feed yourselves instead of your flocks? Shouldn't shepherds feed the sheep? 
you drink milk, you wear the wool and butcher the best animals. But you, but, but you let the flax starve. You have not taken care of the weak. You have not tended to the sick or bound up the injured. You have not, you, you have gone, not gone looking for those who have wandered away and are lost. Indeed, you have ruled them with harshness and cruelty. So my sheep have been scattered without a shepherd, and they are easy prey for any wild animal. They have wandered through all the mountains and all the hills, across the face of the earth, yet no one has gone to search for them. What an indictment on the leadership over the nation of Israel. So what was God calling His shepherds to do? And by the way, these principles that we're going to draw from the Old Testament book of Ezekiel, they're applicable to the New Testament church. What should the church look for when they look for leadership, when they look for a shepherd? Well, there's, there's four things that we see in this text and in this chapter. The first thing is that shepherds are called to feed the sheep when they're hungry. He's called to feed the sheep when they're hungry. That's what shepherds are called to do. And, and he says this. Notice in verses 3 and 7. Shouldn't shepherds feed their sheep? But you drank the milk. You wore the wool. You butchered the best. And then in verse 7, he says, You took care of yourselves and left the sheep to starve. Now contrast that with the Good Shepherd. And there's an incredible parallel between this chapter and the 23rd Psalm. What does it say in the 23rd Psalm? Well, the 23rd Psalm, verses 1 through 3, says this, The Lord is my shepherd. I, I have all that I need. He, he lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful. Uh, peaceful streams. He renews my strength. Later on it says, He set a table before me. So there's the contrast. Good shepherds feed their sheep. By the way, uh, you can be a, a sheep and you can be led into a great pasture land and have water there. But the bottom line is, you as a sheep have a, have a freedom not to drink and not to eat. And all, all I'm saying to you is, what kind of sheep are you? If you have a good leader, are you, are you taking advantage of the food that is being offered? You see, you could be a good sheep, you could be a good sheep or a bad sheep. You can basically wander off and say, well, maybe there's better food, or you could trust the shepherd. So there is a point when there is food and there is a good shepherd, uh, it, it tells what kind of a sheep you are. But notice the second thing he condemns the shepherds for, the leaders for. He says, uh, he, he, the principle here is that, that they, they seek, shep, good shepherds seek sheep when they're lost. Now, notice what he says here in verse 4, 6, and 7. You have not gone looking for those who have wandered away and are lost. They have wandered through the, all the mountains and the hills and across the face of the earth. Yet no one has gone to search for them. Though you were my shepherds, you didn't search for my sheep when they were lost. And they didn't care about the sheep. If they lost one, they didn't care. If they lost two, they didn't care. Remember, that's contrasted with the New Testament where there's one sheep that's gone and, and the shepherd goes out looking for that sheep, leaving all the other sheep behind but looking for that one lost sheep. Now, how, and here, here's a really important thing. How does he even know that one sheep is gone? Because they count them. They know them by name, New Testament. Now, here's the third thing that we see the shepherds weren't doing. Uh, or good shepherds, what they do is they heal them when they're hurting. They heal them when they're hurting. Notice what it says here. Verse 4. You have not taken care of the weak. You have not tended to the, 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 the sick or bound up the injured. When a sheep gets uh, hurt in, in the field, and when it uh, steps on rocks, it, it falls down a cliff, 
The shepherd is there to carry it back. The shepherd is there to mend the wounds. It's part of the responsibility of the shepherd. Notice number four, good shepherds protect them when they're in danger. Uh, Ezekiel was really con- condemning the rulers of, of, the, of the nation of Israel. And he, he basically is saying to them, instead of protecting the sheep, instead of feeding the sheep, instead of binding their wounds, what were you doing? You were abusing them. The ones you should have fed, the ones you should have protected, the ones you should have healed, you were, you were abusing them. You didn't protect them. And he says in verse 4, you have ruled them with harshness and cruelty. And this is, the, this is what, what God says. He says, as surely as I live, says the sovereign Lord, you abandoned my flock and you left them to be attacked by every wild animal. Now, what's the summary that God gives to these poor leaders, these poor bosses, these kings? Well, he says this. He says, I will hold them responsible for what has happened to my flock. I will take away uh, their right to feed the flock. And I will stop them from feeding themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths. The sheep will no longer be their prey. See, the, see what he's saying here? What a, what a terrible thing. The ones they should be caring for, the ones that they should be serving, the ones that they should be assisting and helping and feeding, they're actually, he, basically he says, you're feeding on the flock. You're not even, you're not caring for them. You're feeding off of them. Here's the key principle. What is God's answer to poor leadership, to poor shepherding? He doesn't say, okay, let's scrap it. Let's scrap the whole idea of having a shepherd. Let's scrap the whole idea of having uh, someone who is that the, sh- the sheep can look to and that, that can be fed by the shepherd and protected by the shepherd and, and have their wounds binded by the shepherd. Let's just scrap the whole idea. No, he doesn't say that. He says, let's not get rid of the system. There's nothing wrong with the system. Let's get rid of the shepherds. And let's, replace this. let's not replace the system. Let's replace the shepherd. Let's find a good shepherd. And, and so now, the rest of the chapter, we talk about this good shepherd that would come. And so, who would this good shepherd be? Well, we find the answer in verses 23 and 24. And here's where we see Ezekiel saying, there's in the future this good shepherd that's going to come. He's a good shepherd. He will not abuse the sheep. He won't take advantage of them. In fact, we're going to see some incredible things about this shepherd. But notice what he says in, in verses 23 and 24. He says this, he says, I will, set them over, I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David. He will feed them and be a shepherd to them. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David will be a prince among my people. And I, the Lord, have spoken. Now, wait a minute. <clears throat> David's dead. <laughs> David is dead. <laughs> so what, what is he talking about here? Well, what he's talking about here is this king. And, and he said to David, when David was alive, when David was a king, David, your kingdom will be established forever. And ultimately, David, there's going to be a king that's going to come from your dynasty that is going to rule over all the world. And he's going to be the king of kings and lord of lords. And we know him to be Jesus Christ. And so what Ezekiel's t- pointing out here is there's this good shepherd, this great king that's going to come in the, in the Davidic line. And he's going to fulfill the David, the, the, the David promise. And he is going to come to rule over his sheep. Well, what would this good shepherd do? His ministry is essentially the same as Ezekiel. What was Ezekiel's ministry? To afflict the comfortable and to comfort the afflicted. Same thing. He was to bring judgment, but he was also to bring hope. So, 
uh, how do we know? What do we know about this shepherd that's going to come? Well, here's what we, we find out. First thing we're going to see is that he's going to care for the sheep. He's not going to abuse them. He's going to care for them. How will he care for them? First, he'll feed them. Notice the promises here, starting at verse 13. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel and by the rivers and all the places where people live. Yes, I will give them good pasture land and high hills of Israel. There they will lie down in pleasant places and feed in lush pastures of the hills. The orchards and the fields of my people will yield bumper crops. I will make their land famous for its crops so my people will never again suffer from famines or the insults of foreign nations. And then in verse 30, he says this, In this way, they will know that I, the Lord their God, am with them. What have we said is the overall theme of the Bible from beginning from, from the first page to the last page, that God wants to be with us. And here's what he's saying. He says, not only will I be with you, but I will provide for you. You're going to have the best pasture lands as sheep. You're going to be fed. You're going to be cared for. And what you're, I'm going to care for you. I'm going to take care of you. So that's, that's the first thing. He will feed them. Secondly, he will gather them. Verse 12, I will be like a shepherd looking for his scattered flock. I will find my sheep and rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on that dark and cloudy day. I will bring them back home to their own land of Israel from among the peoples and nations. I will search for my lost ones who strayed away and I will bring them safely home again. That's the good shepherd that's going to come. And, and we believe him to be Jesus. And he says, if, if, if there are lost sheep and they're spread, I'll find them. And we'll see in the New Testament how Jesus is going to do that. Uh, number three, notice it's, it's exactly the opposite. What it, what, exactly what he condemned the, the poor leaders, he is now saying, I will do this. I will feed them. I will gather them. They, they were scattered under the bad leaders, but I will gather them together. But number three, I will bind their wounds. Notice verse 22. I will rescue my flock and they will no longer be abused. I will bandage the injured and strengthen the weak. And then notice, not only will he bind their wounds, but he will protect them. Verse 15, I myself will uh, tend my sheep and give them a place to lie down in peace, says the Sovereign Lord. Um, will make a covenant of peace with my people and drive away the dangerous animals of the land. Then there will be, they will be able to camp safely in the wildest places and sleep in the woods without fear. I will bless my people in their homes around my holy hill. And in the proper session or season, I will send them the showers they need. There will be showers of blessing. There, they will no longer be prey for other nations and wild animals uh, will no longer devour them. They will live in safety and no one will frighten them. Jesus describes this as a new heaven and a new earth. And uh, in, in one of the prophets, it says that the lion and the lamb will sleep, sit down with each other. Um, but that's the first thing. Jesus is going to come and he's going to bring comfort. But secondly, uh, he will, this good shepherd, he will judge between the sheep and the goats. Notice what he says in verse 17. He says this, As for you, my flock, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. I will judge between one animal of the flock and another, separating the sheep from the goats. 
Now, if you think of the New Testament, you remember that time where Jesus talked about the parable of the sheep and the goats? It's in the text here. Matthew chapter 25. Notice what Jesus says. Now, notice what he uses too. And this got me thinking when he used that phrase, son of man. So notice what he says. He says, when the son of man comes in his glory. Now, wait a minute. Let me just stop here and give you the... I had a real revelation this week. I mean, I really... It was one of those times where I just sat down and boom, it hit me in the head. And it was... It didn't literally hit me in the head. But I mean, it's just like, wow, why didn't I see that before? And, and it was just... It just blew my mind when I saw it. Now, this may not mean anything to you, but it means a lot to me. In verse 17 of Ezekiel, what he's saying is, this good shepherd, this one that's going to come, is going to come and he's going to separate the sheep and the goats. Right? Now, what, is, what, did, what did I say that phrase that Ezekiel was to use for himself? It was called Son of Man. Son of Man, right? Now, notice what Jesus does in Matthew 25, verse 31. It says this, When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, He will sit down on His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate the people from one, one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Do you see what's going on here? What Jesus is doing here is he's referring back to this Ezekiel passage. And he is essentially saying the Son of Man is going to do this. He's going to separate people and some are sheep and some are goats. And it's going to come at the end of the age. What Jesus is talking about is a coming judgment that's going to come. Where he's going to separate his his people from uh, others. Now notice, the question is, how will the good shepherd provide all of these things? How is he going to... Who is this person? And how is he going to come? Well, I've already made the, the assumption in my mind that it's Jesus. And, and so I want to give you what, what really just blew my mind this week. It's just absolutely... And, and, and as I was studying, I, was, I saw the connection between Son of Man and Jesus was using in Matthew and then Ezekiel and the separation of the sheep and the goats. And I said, that's not an accident. There's something going on there. And so I did a, a study about how many times that phrase son of man is used in the prophets. It is used 94 times in the prophets. Now here's the part that will just, this just shocked me. It's used two times in the book of Daniel. It's used 92 times in Ezekiel. And it's not used anywhere else in the prophets at all. And I said, I think that's something important. And here's what I think is going on here. I think, and I've always been taught this. In fact, I was taught this in seminary, and I think there's some truth to it. People say, when you read the Gospels and you read the phrase, when Jesus uses Son of Man, that what he's referring to is his humanity. And I think that's true. I don't think that's not true. But I think there's something more going on there. When Jesus uses the phrase Son of Man, what he's doing is, he's saying... I am the ultimate Ezekiel. I am the one. He, basically, what he's doing is he's patterning his ministry like Ezekiel. He is the son of man like Ezekiel. Uh, in other words, what Jesus is doing here is he's using his title and the events of Ezekiel to show the people that he is the one who Ezekiel was referring to. He is the ultimate son of man. He is the ultimate one. And, and so how, how, you think about Jesus' ministry on earth. How is that similar to Ezekiel's ministry? Well, 
Jesus is the Son of Man who predicts the coming judgment against Jerusalem. Isn't that what Ezekiel did? He said, judgment is coming. And what happened? Judgment came, the Babylon. What did Jesus do when he came to earth? He said, judgment is coming. Remember when he's riding down the hill on a donkey and he began to weep? It's it's the only two times he wept. is there and at a grave of a friend. But he wept. What did he see? He saw Jerusalem. What did he, why did he weep? Because he knew that within a, 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 just a, a short period of time, Jerusalem will be left in ruins. And ultimately, there, there's another judgment coming. So Jesus is, is similar to Ezekiel and that. Let me give you another one. Jesus is the son of man who dwells in the midst of a rebellious house, uh, who have ears to see, but do not see, who have uh, ears to hear, but do not hear. In other words, Jesus, time and time again, basically said, you know, I'm saying these words, but you can't, you're not hearing me. I'm doing these miracles, but you won't see them. You know, what did they do? When Jesus performed a miracle, what did they do? They tried to explain it away. He must have a demon in him. When they spoke the words, they rejected his words. They didn't want to hear what he had to say. What happened when Ezekiel spoke? Remember, I talked about that last week. Basically, God says, Ezekiel, you go speak to these people. They're not going to listen to you. They're not going to listen. Jesus is the son of man who he talks in riddles and speaks allegories and parables. If you read the first probably 10 chapters of Ezekiel, he's going out and basically says to Ezekiel, son of man, go out, go by the wall and do this and go out and do this and go out and do this. And he's doing all these strange things. And basically what, what God is saying is, as you do this, you're showing the nation of Israel. You're illustrating, you're giving them a parable. And what did Jesus do on earth? Spoken parables. People said, we don't understand what you're saying. We don't understand what you're saying. Jesus is the son of man who speaks life into the dry bones of the whole nation of Israel, the whole house of Israel. You come to that famous chapter where you have the dry bones and, and life comes to the dry bones and speaking of the resurrection and ultimately of the, the house of Israel being gathered, his people being gathered together and, and this new life coming. And ultimately Jesus is the one who's going to bring this new life and he is the one that's going to bring uh, speak life into the dry bones. Jesus is the Son of Man called by God to afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. Jesus is the Son of Man who became the good shepherd called to seek, feed, heal, and protect the flock. And isn't it interesting that we come to the Gospel of John and Jesus begins to talk about a good shepherd. Let me read you a short part of that passage. Uh, This is uh, John chapter 10, and this is what Jesus says. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him, and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's really working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. Doesn't that, isn't that speak of the kings? They didn't care about the sheep. They cared about what they were going to get out of it. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know me just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I, I sacrificed my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in the sheepfold and I must bring them also. They will also listen to my voice and there, there will be one flock with one shepherd. And what I believe Jesus is saying there is not only will the Jews, my people, be come together, my sheep, but there'll be other sheep that will join the flock and that will become one flock together. Do you see what Jesus is saying? Jesus is the son of man who would give life, uh, give his life for his sheep. He's going to bring the whole flock together and he's going to bring them together into one flock forever where there's, there's green pasture lands, there's safety, where there, he knows his sheep by name. 
Uh, so my question is, as we close out, have you heard his voice? Jesus said this in, in uh, the same chapter, chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me for my Father has given them to me and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from my Father's hand. Now, this is a really incredible passage of Scripture because what this says is that, that his sheep know him and he knows them. And when he speaks, they hear his voice and no one can snatch them out. Now, listen, there's a lot of people that are going to church this weekend that think that if they go to church, if they live a pretty good life, if they uh, do their very best, if they give their time, if they give their money, if they believe in God, all those things, that one day God is going to accept them. But what this passage says is, unless you hear his voice, you're lost. And, and you know, so the question is, have you heard his voice? Um, I, I'm not asking whether you've heard an audible voice. I'm asking whether you've been drawn to him. I'm asking that from within your heart, there is a compelling desire for you to be with him that you want to follow Him, that you want to obey Him, that you want to sacrifice for Him because He sacrificed for you. Here's the greatest thing that we know about the Great Shepherd. The Great Shepherd not only is going to bring us to places where we can find great food, is not only going to feed us, He is not only going to protect us, He's not only going to seek us when we're lost, He's not only going to bind our wounds when we're hurting, the great news about the shepherd is he is, going to get, he is going to become our shepherd by giving his life. We become his sheep when he gives his life. Not when we go to church, not when we do anything, but by what he has done for us, we become his sheep. So my question is, do you know him? Do you have that desire to follow him? Have you heard his voice when he calls out? Does it warm your heart? Is there life? Has he, has, he, has he brought life into the dry bones of your heart? Has he turned your life around? Let me ask you a question. Are you still trying to do enough? <laughs> I was raised in that tradition. And so, you know, I want, I, sometimes I'll ask people, I'll say, well, are you ready? Uh, are, are you ready to say that you're a Christian? And some people will say, many times they'll say this, I don't feel that I'm good enough. I've had a lot of conversations. And you know what? It sounds really, when, you, when somebody says that, it sounds like really humble. I don't think I'm really good enough. But it's, you know, it's really not. What it is, is it shows that you don't understand the gospel. Because if you understand the gospel, when somebody says, are you ready to be a Christian? And you, you would never say, oh, I, I don't feel I'm good enough. You're not. I already know that. That's a fact. That's the point I, why I need a good shepherd to give his life. Because in and of myself, I'm hopeless and helpless. And, and, and there needs to be a point. It's like drowning. You have to come to a point where you say, I can't save myself. I'm in a real hurting mess here. And you give up. And Jesus comes in and saves you. And you know what? If you don't understand that, you don't understand the gospel. 
and you'll never hear his voice. You're a lost sheep until you come to the point and you say, I need a Savior. I need help. I'm drowning. I'm helpless. I'm hopeless. I'm in the wilderness alone and I'm starving and I've got wounds and I need a shepherd to come to put me on his shoulders, to carry me back, to bind my wounds, to feed me, to save me. And until you come to that point, you'll never know the good shepherd. But when you come to that point and when the shepherd brings you and throws you over his shoulder and carries you back to the flock and binds your wound and places you beside still waters and feeds you and cares for you and knows your name and calls out your voice, you know your shepherd. And you know what he's done for you. That's the good shepherd. And that's why Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. We began talking about bad bosses and bad kings and bad shepherds. There's only one good shepherd, and it's Jesus Christ. And he gave his life for the sheep. And so the Bible says, whoever calls upon this good shepherd shall find life both now and forever. Do you know him? Do you know the good shepherd? I'm not asking how hard you're trying or (laughs) I'm asking, have you just said, I'm lost, I'm hurting, I'm helpless, and I'm hopeless, and I need a shepherd. If you come to that place in your life, you will hear the shepherd's voice. Would you stand with me? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the book of Ezekiel that talks about this good shepherd that would come. Thank you that Jesus is the ultimate good shepherd. That he came to bring comfort to the afflicted. Salvation by, by giving his life. And I pray, Father, if there's anyone here who's never trusted Jesus, and they really don't even know how, they, they might ask me or a friend and find out how they can find that gift of eternal life today. I, I also pray, Father, that uh, if there are folks here that uh, are pretty comfortable, they think they got it together, they don't think they need a shepherd, they think that they're doing better than most people, they're willing to spin the wheel and see how it plays out, that you would afflict them that you would bring them to a place where they realize that without the good shepherd in their life, there is no life. So, Father, afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. But most of all, may we not only hear your voice, but may we obey. We ask this in Jesus' name.